explain those badlands. That's a hell of a name. We constantly talk about health in different ways to help and get many questions about ivermectin and where to get it. That's why we've partnered with EZRX. They have a huge selection of meds at badlandsmedia.tv forward slash EZRX, or click the description box below and use promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your order of $150 or more. EZRX not only has a huge selection, but they also, but also quality assurance, big savings, and fast shipping. If you're looking for ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, fenbendazole, then head that way today. Don't forget about fenbendazole. They've tested fenbendazole on worms and parasites that can live inside us without obvious signs and can lead to complications from bowel obstruction to loss of appetite, mm -hmm. loss of weight, anemia, lung infection, and liver congestion. The fenbendazole seems to have different qualities that some people have stated it helped them in their area with cancer. Here's a clip to remind us about what happened when people take fenbendazole. My own research that once you have wide metastasis, small cell lung cancer, you're literally a goner. The 0% chance of survival at three to six months of life expectancy. And I was basically told to go home and get my affairs in order and think about hospice. And the next day, I got a call from a large animal veterinarian in western Oklahoma. There's a college friend and family friend and he told me this crazy story about a scientist at Merck on the veterinary side who has been doing cancer research on mice and she had hundreds of mice that she'd implanted cancers in all the body parts brain stomach liver pancreas etc and her mouse population came down with intestinal parasites and so she had no choice but to save her research she gave her all of her mice fenbendazole if you went out to any zoo in the world they bring in fenbendazole truckload front-end loader head-high piles in bays because they give that drug to every single animal in the animal kingdom and one of the oldest and safest drugs around right yeah, it's been around for 40 years all right don't forget about fembendazole uh that's badlandsmedia.tv forward slash uh easy rx that's badlandsmedia.tv forward slash EZRX, promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome to Vigilant News. For today, we've got an awesome show. Uh, we're going to cover the Mike Benz interview, a little bit of it anyway. There was so much packed in that interview. This is the one that he did with Tucker Carlson. Um, so we'll get into that today. We've got a few break, um, rapids, something about these trucks. Uh, um, Trump sneakers, uh, the trucker is planning to stop shipments to New, uh, New York, and some uh, Fed boy neo-Nazis that we'll get into a little bit later in the show. What you got for us, Ryan? We got UFC boss Dana White storming off Howie Mandel's podcast after only 30 seconds. Uh, Israel rejects calls for Palestinian state, calling it a reward for terrorism. Uh, and breaking news, they, Israel just launched airstrikes against targets in Lebanon, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about this harassment campaign that has been being waged against Nancy, Nancy Pelosi in recent weeks. I love it. Uh, and then we're going to do a little deep dive on the relationship between the intelligence apparatus and the mainstream media. Wow, sounds like a great show. So welcome to the show, everybody. In case you hadn't noticed, 
we've been um, missing for about a month now. It's good to be back, back in the saddle. Uh, I have been uh, dealing with some serious health complications. But before we get into that, of course, you know us as Vigilant News. We're both the founders of Vigilant News. I'm Justin. This is Ryan here. He does a lot of great work on the Vigilant.News website. You can check the links in the description for the show notes. I also put the show notes in the comment section of the show, just in case after the uh, the episode ends, people can go back there and check the comments. So, so yeah, I wanted to give just a little kind of recap about what happened to me and um, why I've been missing. And so about, a, let's see, three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, uh, I started to feel kind of sick on a Friday. I got like these weird pains that I thought were just gas. And um, it just kept getting worse. And then the later that night, I woke up because I was in so much pain. And uh, it seemed like something had shifted, and it kind of started to hurt near my gallbladder. So I was I assumed it was gallstones. So I started a protocol of dealing with gallstones, like apple cider vinegar, lots of fasting. Um, I did these shakes that uh, Alginus um, van der Planets talks about with, like, a bunch of eggs and raw milk and... Um, banana and that seemed to help a lot um, my, my wife got this stuff called stone breaker which is like this herb that like really supposed to design to help break up gallstones and i don't know what was happening but it seemed like something was getting broken up because i mean i just felt really weird my body's various systems started to change in their consistency we'll put it that way without getting too graphic and um my energy level just like plummeted so after about four days of dealing with that on the first uh, I started to feel significantly better the 1st of February. I actually had what I'm, it's like it's like a near-death experience in the sense that I, I felt like all of my resentment and my frustration with life kind of like melt away and it's like spiritual awakening, which was really powerful. And to this day, I still feel like really like connected. I just have so much love for the people around me, so much love for you guys, so much love for this guy over Even here. Me. Yeah, you and Ryan. <laughs> My wife, you know, ever it's just people in general. I just have this incredible like amount of love and reverence for them. It's it's really remarkable. I'm not I can't really explain it, but um, it 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 was like a whole awakening. So anyway, so that happened on the first, and then something else started to happen. I started to feel like I was really weak still. I thought I was just recovering from the gallstones because you know gallstones apparently they're just like hyper concentrated little nuggets of toxins that your body stores in your gallbladder. And so I'm like, well, I mean, if I did dissolve these things, then they must be all that crap is probably floating around my body right now. Let me start detoxing. I started taking humic and fulvic acid from Ascent Nutrition, by the way, really good stuff. Um, I started taking charcoal and just continuing the detox, lots of fasting, lots of detox protocol. Um, and for whatever reason, I just wasn't, I was getting a little better, but as I was getting a little better, like with my, the pain in my gut, this other pain started to come up and my, I had a hard time lifting my leg and um, my back was just killing me all the time. And so after about, let's see, two weeks since the, the, all this started, I'm like, all right. I mean, I really don't want to go to the hospital because one of my concerns with the hospital was they were just going to be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to take this, snip that, take this, snip that. Just take out all these different parts of my body that I don't want you know, removed from my body. And I've had, you know, some people, I've, uh, the founder of Stones in the Storms, uh, Julian Robles, he died because of medical malpractice going to a hospital because they refused to listen to us about his blood clots um, until it was too late. So I, I had my reasons for not wanting to jump, you know, headfirst into a, uh, a deep end with the hospital. But we ended up going 
And after a CT scan, um, they discovered that I had a massive abscess in my back right side. It was 21 inches by eight inches by six inches, I think something like that. And if you do the calculation, it's actually like three uh, inches bigger than a basketball. So absolutely massive. Um, and I, they put in a drain and I trained like several liters of fluid, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Still draining as we speak. Exactly. I, as we sit here, this thing's still draining. I got a lovely appendage coming off of my body right now. So I'll spare you the gory details. But anyway, um, so, so the good news is I managed to avoid death. And that's one of the things the doctor said, the doctors were like, you are lucky to be alive. Like, I don't know wh what you do for your health, but your body just somehow managed to sequester all these toxins away into this abscess. And you, and you know, if it was anyone else, this thing would have burst and probably killed them. Yeah. And, and when I got back, I'd been gone for weeks, as most of you know. You know, we had to cancel the last couple of shows of Vigilant News. I was still gone. I knew Justin wasn't well, but I didn't know exactly how bad it was. I get back here and he looks like a man who was on the verge of death. Like, yeah. Like he had lost weight, he was shaking. It was like I, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize until I saw that it was it was pretty severe. So yeah, I mean, it, it's awesome that we're here on the show right now, but it very well could have went a different way. So so true. Yeah, I'm very I was, thankful. Yeah, so thankful. So so thankfully, I got got the antibiotics. I'm doing doing this drainage. I'm still not 100, percent but I'm I'm like 60 percent of what I was. It's funny because I used to rock it up the stairs, up and down, skipping the stairs all the time. And now just like I'm like going one stair at a time. And actually, I did do two stairs today. I was proud of myself today. Yes. So I did two stairs. So uh, proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm getting back up to help. I really appreciate all of the well wishes. I put some stuff on social media over the past couple of weeks. And man, I was just bowled over with how much support that I got and all the prayers. And seriously, it meant so much to me and my wife. And um, right now, if you, I've got a give, send, go that my wife set up because we are dealing with massive medical bills. The estimate is somewhere on the order of um, uh, twenty-five to $40,000. What? Yeah, that's what it's going to cost. Yeah. Oh, and I still have God. like six hospital visits to deal with that are going to be 300 bu bucks minimum a pop. You just can't. So, just can't I know, so. right? I mean, if I could take this thing out of my body for myself, well, I will. I'll get it out. I'll take it out for you. <laughs> We'll, we'll just so, set up uh, an operating table in the garage. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, if you haven't uh, already done so, check out my gifts and go. Um, you know, obviously no pressure. I know everybody's struggling right now. Um, so, uh, but if you want to share it around on your social media and your circles, I would greatly appreciate it. You want to share it in your church or whatever, I'd greatly appreciate it. Like I said, prayers mean a significant amount. I don't know if I'd be alive without all the prayers I received. And, um, you know, anything you'd care to give would be amazing, but no pressure. Like I said, I know a lot of people are struggling. I'm not trying to make anybody's life any harder, but I, I am putting this out there in the universe and putting this out there as, you know, this is something that if you're interested in helping me out with, I, we'd greatly appreciate it. Me and my wife would really, the Deschamps family would greatly appreciate it. All right. Well, with that, I won't labor down the show anymore. Thank yeah, you well, so much. While Justin was, you know, slacking off, blazing <laughs> away for weeks on end. I uh, I was working on a project that I'm really excited to tell you all about. I can't get into a lot of the details just yet, I don't think, but we'll talk about it later in the show. If you haven't already, definitely check out the interview we did with Thomas, True Reporting. 
uh, and a fellow so Badlander. Good. We had a, a great chat with him mm -hmm. yesterday. He's a total kindred spirit. We know a lot of you guys love True Reporting's shows, and uh, I think we'll we'll see more of him on our show, and maybe we'll do some uh, some stuff outside of the shows too. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, and I'm the Ryan, I got a little teaser into what Ryan's been working on. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to be blown away by how good this thing is. So, um, so great. Okay, well, let's get into. I think we're going to do a little switch up. So I'm going to do the Mike Ben stuff first. Oh, you are? No. I, oh no, you want to go first? Okay. Well, no, because it plays. Remember it, the last yeah, yeah, thing yeah. I got go goes effort, effortlessly into it. Okay. Okay. I I wouldn't have understood. All right. So let you go ahead. You take the reins. Okay, so I thought we could kind of ease back into things with some some pop culture tabloidy kind of stuff. Uh, this right here. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, my thought was that we would do as my media sections ending, it mm -hmm. would go right into your. Okay. Remember okay. that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> so so you know, not anything too serious. Just some kind of like celebrity tabloidy kind of stuff here. We have UFC boss Dana White storms off Howie Mandel's podcast after only 30 seconds. So I don't know if any of you got to see this yet. We're going to play the clip, but first I want to set the stage a bit. So the New York Post and some other mainstream outlets described Mandel's intro for Dana White as warm and kind. But I think White probably took it a little differently. I, I took it differently. Uh, you know, I thought even though his words were, were kind of kind-ish, uh, having spent time around these elitist Hollywood liberals, I could tell the energy did not match the words that he was saying. So here's the clip. Let's see what you guys think. Not only an amazing businessman, you are an inspiration, you are a philosopher, the way you do business, the way you uh, conduct your business and your friendships and media is uh I'm, I'm jealous and but dana i can't thank you enough for being here thank you for all the kind words i appreciate it i, I am so fucking tired of doing podcasts it's I, i'm literally done with them i'm not doing any more podcasts what oh that like literally that was it okay There's the liver king. <laughs> really? We have a an <laughs> all right. Flows <laughs> right into the liver king segment. So I don't know about you, but it felt. I mean, if you were to watch it back, this clip kind of starts halfway through what Mandel's intro was. It felt very fake kind of snide even you know he calls him a philosopher and all these other things you know it's i wasn't the only one who picked up on that if you can go back to that article yep. uh just check out some of these <clears throat> these tweets that people said about it here you have you think he walked off because he realized all that stuff how he said was concocted babble he found on the internet uh, if you scroll down, it says he felt how fake and disingenuous how he was speaking right out the go. Mm -hmm. uh, weird vibe right from the start. So, you know, I'm not upset that he did that. I mean, who knows what would have happened, but they, meaning the more nefarious intelligence assets operating the machinery of Hollywood, uh, and then just the useful 
how do I say this? The pardon my Irish, but for lack of a better term, uh, the shit eaters of Hollywood. Uh, it's a term my buddy coined when we were living out there. He was working with these people. He worked under Heather Podesta, you know, of the Podesta family. He, he was around all these people, and he came coined the term caca eaters because that's exactly what those people are. They were the kind of people who would eat shit if a studio exec told them to. Uh, not just figuratively, but literally <laughs> in some cases. I'll so, pass on that one myself. <laughs> so that's what happens is people are so hungry for a spot in a, in a show or a reality TV thing. You know, they get so hungry for, for fame and success that they'll do anything. They will like, they will, they will partake in these dehumanizing humiliation rituals just to get a spot somewhere. And Howie Mandel is very much like one of those kind of guys. So uh, that's the kind of culture, you know, it's not something that always bubbles to the surface, but, you know, sometimes you'll hear black actors and comedians talking about, oh, what did he do to get that part? What did he have to go through to get that? You know, and that's exactly what they're referring to. They, you know, sometimes it's something like it's, it's more sexual related, like the casting couch stuff you hear of. Sometimes it's homosexual in nature. Sometimes it's just a humiliation ritual, like making somebody dress up in women's clothes and, you know, go down the Hollywood Boulevard and stuff like that. So it's it's like a they get off on the power they had, these kind of people. And so there's those kind of people, and then there's the useful idiots, the 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 doo-doo munchers like Howie Mandel, who will literally do whatever an, an exec or intelligence management kind of guy tells him to do. And you know, it's very likely that he, you know, he probably thought that he was being super clever. He was going to get a viral clip out of the exchange, which he did, but probably not in the way he wanted. And we can only speculate, but I would guess that there was going to be a lot of pointed questions. There was going to be allusions made to his friendship with Donald Trump, you know, because he said it in his intro, your friendships, your philosophy, you know, it's, it's like you kind of tell that that's where that was going to go. Mm. But uh, you know the whole drill. I think it was the right play to just walk off the set because I feel like Dana White is like, people have been kind of jabbing at him a lot. Mm -hmm. He's, he's getting a lot of power. He's got a lot of clout. The UFC community is huge, you know, and it's very masculine base. Whereas Hollywood is very, I don't know, like fake and gay for, for lack of a better phrase. Accurate. So, uh, yeah, I think it was good. He walked off, minimized the damage. Maybe it's just, just so tired of the fakeness. You know, it could be mm -hmm. that too. Maybe there's no other nefarious thing at play here, and he just got sick of it and realized that the first in the first ten seconds of being there, that you know, he just couldn't stomach it anymore. Yeah. Wow. There's that a little tabloidy stuff. I mean, you know, I don't. It on first glance, I couldn't really like figure out like what was what was it that made him jump off. But I think what might maybe what happened is behind the scenes there was already some kind of like weirdness. And like you said, that it how he just seems so disingenuous, and he's just like, you know what, f this, I don't want to deal with this, and I, I kind of got to respect that. So anyway, all right, yeah. so there you go. So what else we got on the docket? So here we go. Israel rejects calls for Palestinian state, calling it a reward for terrorism. Oh wow! Which in some some ways you could call you say it's the the pot calling the kettle black. You know me. Whenever I get a chance to play devil's advocate especially when I see conservatives falling into a tribal kind of thinking where there's no critical thought. They just see my team thinks this and I think that, you know, that kind of thing. 
the Badlands audience has displayed that they are capable of a greater degree of understanding and nuance when it comes to subjects like this. They have been resilient. You've all been very resilient from being shepherded by the Con Inc. narratives. Uh, you know, those narratives that pretty much you can always tell because they go to assure that there's a perpetual divide between us and our perceived political enemies. Uh, here we have just the news, and I absolutely adore John Solomon, I gotta say. Um, <clears throat> he's, uh, you might, you might all remember because during all the Q drops, he was mentioned quite a lot, quite a number of times. He was cued more than any other journalist that I know of in a good way. Uh, love the guy, but just the news, even them, one of my favorite outlets, they are not immune to one-sided reporting on this whole situation in the Middle East right now. You know, I think it is dangerous to pick a side. If you got a side, just side with the innocents on both sides who don't want anything to do with the conflict. You know, I mean, Hamas, uh, <clears throat> the innocents slaughtered by Hamas are just as, that, that, that is just as bad as the innocents dying of starvation, treatable infections, and just being blown to smithereens in Gaza. Uh, anyway, the Netanyahu government on Sunday approved a resolution that rejects the international pressure on Israel to recognize a Palestinian state. And, you know, I kind of have opinions on that weird, they're like trying to force Israel to do it, like if that's going to work. You know, the whole thing just feels like it's all designed for escalation, you know. Uh, so here's Netanyahu's statement. And Netanyahu, who, by the way, is... You know, if, if if the war were ever to stop, he has a he's got he's in a pile of shit. So I think in his position, he's going to keep it going on as long as he can because it's keeping him out of trouble. But uh, the short statement reads: One, Israel utterly rejects international dictates regarding a permanent settlement with the Palestinians. A settlement, if it is to be reached, will come about solely through direct negotiations between the parties without preconditions. Uh, Two, Israel will continue to oppose unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. Such recognition in the wake of the October 7th massacre would be a massive and unprecedented reward to terrorism and would prevent any future peace settlements. You know, as if Israel has just been a, you know, beacon of uh, fairness. And, you know, like, this logic, this Netanyahu logic, you know, suggests that because a particular group, a subset of the Palestinian population, because they committed acts of terrorism, all of the people in that area deserve to be ethnically cleansed. And that's that's what it is. That's yeah. the definition of ethnic cleansing is to remove a ethnicity from an area by force. That's what's happening. So consider this. America, in the eyes of many nations across the world, has been guilty of numerous atrocities, what you could call terrorism for sure. Uh, granted, as we all know, it's a small elite network, the Western deep state that's perpetuating all of these atrocities. But by this Netanyahu logic, that means that all of the American citizenry is guilty of whatever comes to them as well because of that small group of people. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it, so it doesn't it doesn't make sense, it's, it, but it is war propaganda 101 you know always depict the enemy as heartless objectively evil with no real purpose just evil for the sake of it uh the u.s did the same with al-qaeda and the taliban in iraq and now especially we see it with putin you know but those are all 
all problems that were created by the security state and U.S. foreign policy that has been dictated by this deep state apparatus. You know, for those of you who watched the Tucker interview with Putin, you saw clearly that there's this extremely relevant side of the story that was not reaching Western audiences because the mainstream media was choosing not to report on it. They want the war. The, 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 the media is married to the security state and the military industrial complex. So the only narrative you're going to get from them is the one that supports endless wars. So the true is, it's true about any given conflict. Uh, now that it doesn't excuse Hamas or Hezbollah, any other militant group who doesn't care about innocent lives and collateral damage, uh, even if they are just in their war, you know, the media is there to ensure that war crimes and, and unacceptable practices are reported, not ignored. So here's some breaking news. In a move that's likely to further escalate the ongoing military conflicts in the Middle East, or what General Flynn says, the, the ignition that's going to ignite all of these other touch points and probably spark World War III, uh, Israel has launched airstrikes against targets in southern Lebanon. Yeesh. And this is just hours ago. So the Times of Israel reported, quote, Lebanese media report Israeli airstrikes in the town of Gazia on the southern outskirts of Sudan, some 30 kilometers from the northern border. Footage posted on social media shows large fireballs and clouds of smoke from the targeted sites. Oh, boy. Uh, so should we, uh, we should probably play some of these clips just because this is just happening. You can go through them if you want. All right, here we go. Allahu Akbar! Ya Afu Allah! Ya Waileh! Allahu Akbar! Hey, one Yeah, I'm not. Do you know exactly why they were targeting Lebanon? Allah Akbar. I don't. I don't know if the actual. It's like military, supposedly these things, but as you'll see, there's a lot of collateral damage because of it. Yeah. And you know, it's happening as. It's almost like it's happening in response to this greater push to force Israel to uh, acknowledge a Palestinian land or something like that. But just just let's watch some more of these clips because you'll see what I mean. There's definitely there's no way that someone's life was not totally ruined by what happened here. Yeah. That has nothing to do with it. Like an industrial center of some kind, it's because there were yeah, warehouses we, there, warehouses, and what looked like some residential. Right yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, so there's another one here from a balcony.
good lord man but uh you know no matter what the reason is they they you're supposed there's there's like rules like there's a thing called the un security council that you have to get approved to do stuff like this through that and when you just completely ignore it like biden did with the houthis you know that creates a precedent that could be used to start any war at any time once the military industrial complex is everything in order to start a war, which they're mm -hmm. constantly doing. They're constantly priming future wars while they're engaged in present wars. And so, you know, the thing about this is even if it, even if it only killed Hezbollah people and everyone else was spared, uh, it's still sending a message to a greater international community. Like by and large, most of the world is not in favor of what Israel is doing. Only the U.S. is. We are the steadfast supporter. So when anytime Israel does any of these things, it's doing it with American weapons, American dollars. And then that, in turn, makes us the enemy. So it might as well be us bombing those people. What it's not doing is creating safer conditions for our people abroad who could be attacked by radicalized terrorists at any time. You know, <clears throat> it's definitely not making safer conditions for Americans at home or abroad. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's definitely not going to make those American hostages any safer. The ones that, you know, everyone seems to have forgotten about. Well, the fact that Israel's doing this stuff is kind of like, there's no negotiating what's going to keep them from just executing these hostages because obviously the U S doesn't care about them. Right. So it's, it's, it's a very complex thing and it's real easy to get caught up on the war propaganda, but, uh, you know, regarding Lebanon, I've seen a lot of people say that, oh, Lebanon's been asking for it. But it's not the Lebanese people that are asking for it. It's the ruling class. It's a corrupt ruling class that is in concert with terrorists over there. It's not the average person on the street that's asking for that. You know, I have family in Lebanon and they're great people, you know, and I don't they're definitely have nothing to do any dog in this fight. They're not even Muslim. Uh but regarding what to do in this situation, it's I refuse to believe that Netanyahu is out there doing God's work right now. That's just I look at this and that's not what I see. I'm sure there's a lot I don't know that's going on. And I'm totally open to that, too. But ask yourself this. Would all of this be happening if Donald Trump was at the wheel of our country right now? Mm -hmm. I, I tend to doubt it. You know, I am confident that Donald Trump could orchestrate something to minimize the collateral damage. Uh, what Biden is doing is providing an endless go-ahead to Israel while also fueling pro-Palestine sentiment, but not the kind of pro-Palestine sentiment that's like, let's work it out, the kind of pro-Palestine sentiment that's like, we we also want an ethnic cleansing of the Jews. So it's right. like they got it so there is no middle ground. It's just one side versus the other. Because when it's one side versus the other, war is inevitable. When there's a path to peace, the war machine stops grinding along. So, you know, what they, they just want you to pick a side. It doesn't matter if it's Israel. It doesn't matter if it's Palestine, Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran. Like, as long as you're backing one of the militant groups, the war continues. They don't give a flying fart. Who wins, you know? Mm -hmm. In fact, I would go so so far to, to say that this was always the purpose of Israel, to create perpetual instability in that region that the war machine here can, can capitalize on. And they're doing it. Like there's good people living in Israel and they, they have a home. They had a home for at least the last century or so. And, and, but the, the hidden purpose behind that, that they had, they didn't sign up for is that it's creating this, 
this greater conflict in the Middle East that will never end. There is like, it's just, you know, there's that, that letter from Giuseppe Mazzini to Albert Pike that may or may not even be real. But if you were to read into that, you know, it suggests that this, this was always meant to lead to war. The creation of Israel was always meant to lead to war, at least as we know it now. And it was, Israel wasn't always going to be there. You know, they had, there was a time when, they were they were trying to work other things out, but they they put it there in the Holy Land. It's it's just like there's a whole complex history that goes along with this. And you know, I, I, admittedly, I don't know all of the details, but uh, I know there's people out there who think that this might be part of some white hat plan. But uh, I just I just don't see the angle because as far as I can tell. The, the, the purpose was always to create this instability. And you can go back to the Rothschilds, the Balfour Declaration, and all of the weird history going on there. And it's like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel weird about it. Uh, I just want, I just want both teams to have fun. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, uh, you know, the one of the very last Q drops that I remember reading was end the endless, they said. And they said endless debt, endless printing of money, endless wars, end the endless and perpetuating a never ending war in the middle east to me isn't ending the endless mm -hmm. well, i mean the fact that we have the these protocols formed by the un you know i'll be the first one to tell you that the un is a corrupt organization but one of the things they did is they created a set of protocols and agreements to make sure that when conflict potentially is stirring there's a process to minimize the backlash of the content uh, conflict to minimize the casualties and the harm and to prevent war. And they're not using these policies based on what you just said. The, the Israelis are just going in there and kind of unilaterally deciding, well, we're going to take action to do X and Y and Z without any uh, attempts to follow the international policies and protocols established by the UN that they've agreed to. So in my mind, that's bad faith. That's breach of trust. And the, they're not they're not using these things that were specifically designed to minimize the amount of, of conflict in the area. But, you know, then that's why it speaks to a much deeper and darker agenda here, because it's, it's not just about, you know, states following these rules. It's something much deeper here that, that I think, like you said, they're designed to provoke conflict and designed to, to stir people up, particularly us here in the States and anywhere in the world, so that we pick a side so that we continue this conflict out in our in our heart our own hearts and minds and it's very effective so and uh you know i think another angle a possible part of all of this is that they want the biden administration and the deep state behind them want that situation to get so far out of control that even trump who i think we all agree would try to negotiate something and probably successfully negotiate something by the time he gets in, it's too late. It's already too far gone. There's no coming back. I don't know. That's that's one thought I had. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think personally, and I agree with uh, whoever said in the chat that he would negotiate. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we need. To, more attention needs to be focused on that. You don't negotiate by the international community deciding that Israel has to do this. And you don't negotiate by completely ignoring everybody and blowing up stuff. So it's like. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. But, right. uh, so there's that. We'll see what happens. The fallout of this Lebanon thing, this is just like, I don't know, more people could, uh, more stuff could happen as retaliation from this now. Mm -hmm. We'll see.
it's just like one thing leads to another, leads to another, and it just keeps, it's going to spiral out of control at some point. And you hate to see it. Mm -hmm. So next, this next piece comes by way of the post-liberal, a fine, fine outlet. <laughs> I actually put this piece out a couple of weeks ago, not even. And I just wanted to plug it here. I had intended to go through it slowly and show you all how Pelosi is having hecklers show up at her swanky fundraisers and outside of her home. Uh, but instead of getting too deep into the guts of this, we'll just do a quick overview because it's hilarious. And I think there's, there's something I like to see about it. Uh, so there's this series of like really cringy pro-Palestinian protesters just following her around and heckling her wherever she goes. Uh, like I said, we'll skip the details and just go straight to this TV appearance right there, actually, yeah, uh, that she made on CNN where she said some pretty wild stuff. Take a listen. One of the challenges that Democrats might have in organizing is some anger in some corners of the progressive movement mm -hmm. over Biden's, Joe Biden's support for Israel in its war uh, against Hamas terrorists. How concerned are you, especially given the fact that we have seen protesters over and over and over uh, at his events, how concerned are you that people, young people, Arab Americans, progressives, I'm not suggesting that they're going to go vote for Donald Trump, but how concerned are you that they might just stay home? Well, let me just say this, because I've been the uh, recipient of their, shall we say, exuberances in this regard as recently as in Seattle on uh, Thursday, unfortunately, want to disrupt our very exciting Democratic meeting there. They're in front of my house all the time. So I, I, I have a feeling for <laughs> what feelings they have. But we have to think about to what we're doing. <laughs> and what we have to do is try to stop the suffering and gossip. This is women and children, people who don't have a place to go. So let's address that. But for them to call for a ceasefire is... Mr. Putin's message, Mr. Putin's message, make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. Same thing with Ukraine. It's about Putin's message. I think some of these, some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some uh, I want to play out the rest of that, but I want to say some things first. So you can, you can hear the displeasure in her voice when she says, they're outside my house all of the time. <laughs> right. And she, you know, she's just trying to drink in peace, but she's got to deal with these peasants out there, you know, heckling her. Mm -hmm. uh, then she makes this completely. Okay. Yeah. Now start playing it again, because she's about to make a claim. That's just, Oh no, she did. I guess she did already. Uh, play it anyway, just to see. I think are connected uh, to Russia. And I say that having, looked at this for a long time now, as you, you know. You think some like, of these protests are Russian plants? I think they're plants. I think some financing should be investigated. And I want to ask the, the uh, uh, FBI to investigate that. Okay. But apart that. <laughs> okay, so right there, it's like this unfounded McCarthy-esque claim, just like drug out of the guts of the CIA, from the deep bowels of the CIA, this kind of like pointing fingers with actually absolutely no proof kind of stuff that the left always used to rag on like, Oh, McCarthyism. But it's like he, the, the left is doing it like crazy. Mm -hmm. Like right now she's suggesting that these like 
liberal progressives from San Francisco are being paid by Vladimir Putin <laughs> to, to do this. And it's, it's hilarious. So, you know, Nancy wrap up smear Pelosi basically doesn't, doesn't like their position. And so what does she do? She defaults to the establishment Democrats standard operating procedure whenever they're faced with true dissent. Uh, and that is labeling their critics agents of the Kremlin, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, it's cla- it's a classic play. Uh, even if you take the same stance as Pelosi on, on Israel, like uh, we should be giving them all these billions, um, try to see what she was doing and with an objective lens regardless. Nancy Pelosi is framing this conflict and, you know, any other foreign policy issue you could possibly point to exclusively from the perspective of Vladimir Putin's objectives. Uh, So the Democrat Party has fostered this kind of pathology, not only among its members, but it's it's like main leadership here, in this case, Pelosi. So because these protesters' views in this instance just so happen to align with Putin's views, then they're obviously paid Russian assets. You see how that works? Doesn't that seem familiar? Didn't that happen to all of us Mm -hmm. when we had opinions that just so happened to align with Vladimir Putin's? So I think it's good. Uh, Another red flag, though, that's worth mentioning on this CNN appearance is the way she brought up the FBI. Uh, Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the clip, she says, I think some financing should be investigated, and I want to ask the FBI to do that. The idea that she has the right to just call up the FBI and tell them to investigate people who are exercising their constitutional rights, even if you disagree with them, based on some completely concocted connection that she's invented in her own head, it's about as authoritarian as it gets. Mm -hmm. Uh, So her next run-in with protesters, we actually have... uh, Yeah, save this one because I want to come back to that that last little bit. But play this next clip. This next one happens outside of her own home right here. All right, here we go. Yeah. Go back to China. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, right. So basically, she tells this lady to go back to China. So, oh my you know, it's a little more conservative spin, blaming it on China. But, you know, it's that same kind of McCarthyist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, take Israel out of the equation for a moment and can just consider the greater implications of this. The The, the fracturing of the left even if it's over something like this, it's a net positive for us, for America, but especially the America first crowd. So not only are they finally breaking from these establishment politicians like Nancy Pelosi, they're actively harassing them in public. So it's one thing to, to just say you don't like someone anymore, but to like take time out of your day to go heckle them, you're not going to, you're not going to vote Democrat in 2024. If you're doing that, I, I just, I doubt it, you know? You might not agree with their reasoning, but, you know, this could be catastrophic for Biden. And uh, consider what she says here at the end of her CNN spot. If you go back to that other video. Here we go. From that, let's just say it's all spontaneous and sincere. 
uh, say is all spontaneous and sincere. Young people care about the right to choose. They care about LGBTQ issues. Mm -hmm. They care about yeah. preserving the planet. They care about gun violence uh, prevention. That's what they tell us. They care about our democracy and the freedoms that are contained in some of what I said. So they're going to have to make a decision, staying home to enable or to agonize, organize, yeah. not agonize, but organize and get out there and get the job. I have every confidence that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be president and vice president Kamala. of the United States. I know we will carry the House. I'm confident that we can improve our numbers in the Senate and we can do it because we're going to own the ground with our organizing. We're going to have a message of values for our country and we're going to have the resources to get the job done. So, you know, she says, in case you didn't catch that, she says, I have every confidence in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, confidence that they've obviously earned. Right to choose. <laughs> and she she proceeds to say that they're going to keep the White House, they're going to win numbers in the Senate, they're going to take the House, and they're going to do it by organizing, uh, going to have a message of values for our country, uh, and we're going to have the resources to get the job done. Uh, so what is the message of values that she's speaking of? Feeding the military industrial complex uh, with the blood of innocent civilians? <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, God, is that the too. values that you're going to like in the eyes of these protesters who's, I mean, ostensibly at least have to make it look like they voted for you because, you know, they're going to try to steal it through other means, but they're going to have to make it people believe that these people actually voted for them which I don't think anyone's going to buy this time around, especially when they're out there heckling you day in and day out. They're not going to then go vote for you because you ignored them. <laughs> like, not at all. So yeah. I think that, you know, these people, they're, they're screaming their disapproval at, at these at these leaders. And I mean, will Nancy Pelosi get reelected when her term is over? You know, like, why are you confident in Biden and Kamala? I mean, it already looks like they're trying to, you know, get Biden to exit stage left, playing up his, you know, tardation or whatever it is that's going on mm -hmm. with him. You know, but the only way to counter this damage would be to, and this is like totally speculative, and I don't know if this would ever happen. I don't know what Gavin Newsom would do, but Pull the old switcheroo. I know a lot of people think it'd be Michelle Obama. I go back and forth on that. Lately, I've kind of figured uh, I doubt it. Floyd Brown, he was on the show. Well, you'll see this coming Sunday. We had Floyd Brown, the founder of the Western Journal, on. He disagreed with me about Gavin Newsom. He said it has to be Michelle Obama because they want to win the black votes. That could be true, but I think they've already lost that. Yeah. Uh, and I think Gavin Newsom being the king of, of identity politics, if they – slide him in and then he does something pro-palestine he could win back a lot of these people even if the military industrial complex keeps chugging along you can have a president paying mouth service to anything and it does is and that doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to change so that's one way they could get back at it it's a long shot uh but uh as we as we'll talk about a little later apac and the israel lobby arguably the most powerful special interest groups in Washington would be none too pleased with a Gavin Newsom doing something like that. So how do they win? You know what I mean? Uh, either way, I, for one, I'm happy to see it. Even if I, I, I 
probably disagree with these protesters on just about everything. I'm glad that they're breaking with Nancy Pelosi and the San Francisco progressive politicians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I've heard, you know, from my perspective, not that I'm necessarily the best uh, horse picker when it comes to these kind of political candidate type things. Seems like Big Mike has a it's probably as far as the drawing in the black vote, which is something that they've lost significantly, especially after Trump got arrested, has a lot of pull. But then at the same time, from what uh, from what I've um, heard, she was asked if she would run, and she's like, "Hell no, hell no, yeah." You know, so but, you know that could be just optics, make right. it seem like she's not gonna. But exactly. like everyone's saying in the chat, if if it was her, she would get memed into oblivion. And that's a great point. Oh, yeah, she would. Um, all right. I got some people asking if how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. I'm feeling a lot better, everybody. I really appreciate it. If you're curious about what happened and where I've been, go ahead and watch the first 10, 15 minutes of the show once it's, uh, it finishes up. And um, I give a pretty good recap of everything there. So, all right. So is there one more? Is that the last? Yeah, the last thing I want to do is this deep dive we talked about. Okay. All right. So we're going to try doing something a little different. This is an idea that we've been toying with for a while, but have kind of been too busy to try to work it into the show. Uh, basically, the idea is doing a deep dive on a specific topic rather than just commenting on an article. Uh, this is our first attempt at this. We're choosing to cover an extremely consequential the relationship between uh, the MSM and the Intel community, specifically the CIA. So while Justin was slacking off at the hospital, <laughs> I was hard at work writing a script for a documentary that you will all definitely be hearing more about in the coming weeks. Uh, the documentary is a collaboration between two popular companies in this America first independent media space that we occupy. Uh, that you all know and love, you, both of these companies. And the topic is how citizen journalism is replacing the mainstream media. And uh, I'll show you how all that's happening. So while I was working on that script, I came across a lot of information and footage that I thought could use some airtime here. Uh, definitely the, the audience would love it. So I really wanted to show you how co-opted the media really is. And I mean, you all know this, but it's good when you find these little nuggets that just are irrefutable proof of the collaboration between CIA and the media. Because it's really has, like, that's the crux for this whole, you know, division in this country is that relationship between the intelligence communities and the media. If that wasn't happening, this, this information war would have been over a long time ago. So, you know, obviously we all know about Mockingbird, the project that grew out of the CIA precursor, uh, the OSS or the Office of Strategic Services. Uh, in a nutshell, Mockingbird sought to manipulate domestic American news organizations for propaganda purposes. And for anyone who doesn't believe that this is a, just a fact of American life, uh, check out this clip of Sig Mickelson. He's the former president of CBS news talking about the cia followed up by a clip from the church committee hearings so this first one right yeah here? this one yeah. all right yep so wait for the gotta pay our homage to the rumble gods real uh, quick they better pay us for this 
Nice. Oh, we got another nice. one. Nice. What the hell is that? <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, you clean your toilet with Coca-Cola. All right, here we go. Uh, at CBS, uh, we uh, had been contacted by the CIA. As a matter of fact, by the time I became the head of the whole news and public affairs operation in 1954, ships had been established, and I was told about them and asked if I'd carry on with them. Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to the national news services, AP and UPI. Well, again, I think we're getting into the kind of detail, Mr. Chairman, that I'd prefer to handle in executive session. I think it was entirely in order for our correspondents at that time uh, to make use of the CIA agent ch uh, chiefs uh, of station and other members of the executive staff of CIA as sources of information which were useful in their assessments of world conditions. Would you say that continues today? Well, I, yeah, I would think probably for a reporter it would continue today, but because of all of the revelations of the period of the 1970s, uh, it seems to me that a reporter has got to be much more circumspect in doing it now, or he runs the risk of uh, at least being looked at with considerable disfavor by the public. I think you've got to be much more careful about it. Wow. You have. So that was Sig Mickelson of CBS News, the former president, basically saying, yeah, we work with the CIA. Uh, that other clip was uh, William Casey, former CIA director, being grilled during the church committee. They asked him if they've got any people working at AP and any of the other big news aggregates. And he basically says that is something I would rather you know, speak about a closed session. So, yes. Exactly. <laughs> you know? uh, so, Sig Mickelson, he, he's asked if he thinks if it continues today. And he basically said, yeah, although you have to be much more circumspect or you run the risk of falling into disfavor or distrust by the American people. So, you know, maybe that was true for a while, <laughs> but it's never been easier to see than it is today. That's something fishy is going on with the mainstream media. So this next clip, I know a lot of you have seen it before. Not everyone has. And it's it's just, oh, nice. it shows you more than anything else yeah. that something is afoot in the mainstream media. It's to serve our Treasure Valley communities. Deal Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about someone trying to be responsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 
This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Oh my god. It's just like they don't even try to hide it anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, no kidding. Jeez. I don't know about you guys, but every time I see that, it fills me with discomfort. Yeah, that's well, it should. I mean, it just says so many things without saying it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, getting back to the history of all this. Well, actually, first, you know, I saw people in the chat. Someone in the chat say, "Who owns them?" So, just real quickly, there's in 2017 there were these articles floating around about the big six, the big six media conglomerates that own any any publication, radio, uh, record label, video game publisher. Uh, anything that falls into the category of mainstream media is under one of the umbrellas of the big six. And it's like, it's Viacom, it's Rupert Murdoch's News Corp. You have Disney, uh, Comcast, and there's a couple others, Time Warner. Um, everything falls under those umbrellas. But, you know, for the longest time, it seemed like, especially if you're older, those all those big corporations were competing with each other. Those days are over. They, they're not competing anymore because they're number the number one institutional investors that are the majority shareholders in all of those companies. It's the same asset managers, BlackRock, Vanguard, Berkshire Hathaway, and mm -hmm. all of those groups, all of those asset managers, they all get together in the World Economic Forum, the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just like the think tank class. It's like the brains of the Western deep state they're all part of it. So really it's not a big six. It's just one big system of systems. And so, you know, anything that exists outside of that, to me, that's decentralized media. Mm -hmm. That is the centralized media. You can call it mainstream, but either way, it's part of that disgusting system of systems. So getting back to the history of all this back before the CIA even existed, the State Department had uh, what was called the Office of Policy Coordination, which is you can get, guess what that was about, you know. Uh, it was led by OSS staffer Frank Wisner. And if, if you guys know who Frank Wisner is, let us say so in the chat because this guy. Ten points, ten points. Yeah, ten <laughs> points if you got it, at least ten points. Um, <clears throat> Frank Wisner, he, he was, as the OSS was dissolving, he maintained all of the contacts that were established there after the war, after World War II. And, you know, he and that Office of Policy Coordination would get absorbed into the nascent CIA. So according to, according to the author historian uh, Lisa Pease, the OPC, quote, became the fastest growing unit within the nascent CIA rising in personnel from 302 individuals in 1949 to 2,812 in 1952, along with 3,142 overseas contract personnel in the same period. The budget rose from 4.7 million to 82 million. So in those three years, they not only saw, uh, shit, how many times would that be like a, the budget, uh, Increased by uh, thousands of percent. <laughs> uh, the the manpower increased. 
they had these overseas contract personnel, i.e., we have we have bought out media assets in other countries. Uh, in 1948, the OPC and the Office of Strategic of Special Operations, the OSO, merged, and that was the creation of the CIA. So, along with them, came all of those media assets came over from the OSS. Uh, Wisner, Frank Wisner, would officially establish Mockingbird that same year. So, at that time, Frank Wisner was in possession of what was called the uh, top Secret Propaganda Assets Inventory, otherwise known as Wisner's Mighty Wurlitzer. So you guys might know what a Wurlitzer is. It's like one of those like, oh, yeah. pianos. Yeah, yeah. They called it the Mighty Wurlitzer. It was a ro Rolodex of over 800 different news and information entities who were prepared to play whatever tune that Wisner wanted. So they called it the Mighty Wurlitzer. Because he could, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention, uh, some, uh, Sammy was asking where you're reading from some of this. I said he could probably find a good deal of it in the uh, the Frank Wisner Squeaky Spooks. Did you want to comment on where people can learn more about what you're talking uh, about? I'm actually, this is the script that I wrote for this film that's coming out. Um, these are notes that I pulled from the script. So everything that's being talked about here. Uh, is in the movie that we're going to release here in the, in the next month. Nice. Okay, cool. So stay tuned for that. All um, right. But, you know, a lot of it I pulled from Carl Bernstein's articles in the 70s. Uh, there was an article uh, that went over like 52 examples of media coordination with intelligence. There's a lot of articles. Um, the clips and some of these pages we link to in the show notes. So anything that appears on screen, you can get to directly. Otherwise you'll just have to wait for this documentary to come out. Cause it, you know, I spent three and a half weeks working day in, day out, reading, watching hundreds of clips, trying to put together this documentary. Uh, and if I couldn't even pretend to try to remember all of the sources, I pulled from. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so the Mighty Wurlitzer was just it was just a Rolodex of all of the media assets that they'd accrued over the history of the OSS. It moved over to the CIA. Then they created uh, Project Mockingbird. Uh, interesting, interestingly enough, one of the primary publications, if not the primary publication for this, was the Washington Post. Wow. So <clears throat> Alan Dulles, you should all know who he was, and this Wisner fella. Uh, they were both working with the Post's owner at the time, Catherine Graham. She was a cultural figure. Uh, and her husband, Philip Graham. Uh, Philip Graham would end up playing a huge role in Mockingbird. Interestingly enough, he would also allegedly blow his own head off with a shotgun while on a tropical retreat with his wife. But, you know, maybe that was just a bad day. I don't know what to chalk it up to. But just an interesting little side note, because it seems to happen with a lot of people in media who work with the CIA, interestingly hmm. enough. Diana Blue Sons, maybe? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we know that Mockingbird had many additional projects that were exactly like it, that continued on, that the public doesn't know about. Mockingbird just being one of the ones that got outed to the public. There have been probably countless since under different names that we will never know about. Um, but I can show you proof that this stuff definitely continues to today. So here, in this next clip, we have a man named Udo Ulfkot. He was a CIA-funded journalist and propagandist 
This trip to get gas for a penny is going to get banned in the U.S. So this guy was a journalist and propagandist who worked for the CIA. Well, he was a reporter, but then the CIA kind of wooed him, got him to become an asset. He'll explain to you kind of how that happened. But uh, he turned a whistleblower and, and just started like spilling all the beans on this stuff. Oh, wow. So he spilled his guts regarding what goes on between the intelligence community and the mainstream media. I wanted to show this entire clip. It's about 14 minutes, but instead I just found like a, a a brief section of it that seemed like the most important. So let's take a listen. All right, let's take a listen here. Writing this book was that I, I am very fearful of a new war in Europe, and I don't like to have this situation again because uh, war is not, never coming from itself. There is always people behind it to push for war. And this is not only politicians, this is journalists too. And uh, I just have written in the book how we have betrayed in the past our, um, our readers just to push for war. And uh, because I don't want this anymore, I'm fed up with this propaganda. We live in a banana republic and not in a democratic country where we have press freedom, where we have human rights. Uh, when we, if, if you see the German media, especially my colleagues who day by day write against the Russians who are in transatlantic organizations and who are supported by the United States to do so, well, People like me, I, I got, I, I became honorary citizen of the state of Oklahoma in the United States. Just why? Just because I write pro-American. I wrote pro-American. Uh, I was supported by the Central Intelligence Agency, by the CIA. Why? Because I should be pro-American. I'm fed up with it. I don't want to do it anymore. And so... I've just written a book not to earn money. No, it will cause a lot of trouble for me just to, to give the people in this country, in Germany, in Europe, and all over the world, just to give them a glimpse of a view what goes up behind the closed doors. Wow. Isn't that great? I mean, the whole interview is very illuminating. Uh, so that's Udo Olfkat. If you search his name on Rumble, you can find much longer interviews than even that one. That was kind of outdated, as you can tell. The man died in 2017. I, I didn't really look into how or why, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something funky going on in there. But uh, now if you pull up this Wikispooks page for uh, Alsop. <clears throat> so here we have Joseph Alsop. He is the quintessential CIA asset journalist. In 1977, Rolling Stone magazine alleged, well, specifically Carl Bernstein, alleged that he was one of the most important journalists under the control of Operation Mockingbird. This guy, Alsop, his articles would appear in over 300 different publications. And there are countless other journalists like this at the time. Can you imagine writing for 300 different publications? Like, who deserves, who deserves that level of reach? You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Only a CIA asset. So... Carl Bernstein of Watergate fame, he published this landmark article called uh, The CIA and the Media. If you just type it in and look it up, you can find it. It's huge, very informative, where he asserts that the CIA had continued its relations with the press well into the 70s. In that article, Bernstein claimed that there were well-known columnists and broadcast commenters whose, quote, relationships with the CIA 
go far beyond those normally maintained between reporters and their sources. They are referred to at the agency as known assets and can be counted on to perform a variety of undercover tasks. They are considered receptive to the agency's point of view on various subjects. Mm. So, you know, when you see Taylor Lorenz going out there trying to convince famous TikTok stars to out their male counterparts for being racist and misogynist, I mean, maybe I'm just like, like, uh, this is conjecture, but it seems like there is definitely, they're trying to keep these narratives going. They're trying to fuel the culture of, of cancel culture, Me Too, all these other things. It's all part of social engineering that's happening in these intelligence agencies and the you know global think tank class. Mm -hmm. So over the next few decades, brave people like Udo Wolfcott repeatedly tried to sound the alarm on these activities. There was a guy who some of you might know. Uh, it was a U.S. Air Force colonel. He was a CIA Pentagon liaison. His name was L. Fletcher Prouty, who was probably probably one of the OG white hats. Honestly, discovering him. Yeah, yeah. He wrote a book. Uh, recounting his firsthand knowledge of CIA black operations and espionage called The Secret Team. And it's classic. It's classic conspiracy literature. Uh, but the book would be met with a, a wide-scale censorship campaign headed by the CIA. I think they got like the distribution rights and then just shelved it mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh, Prouty's information would eventually make its way to the public in an unlikely way. It was uh, used to to make the film, the Oliver Stone film, JFK. If you've ever no seen way. that. Nice. Yeah. He used that movie as a delivery mechanism for the information in the censored book, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Because we know Oliver Stone did stuff with, you know, Ukraine on fire, yeah. the Putin interviews. The guy's got to know what's going on. Oh, yeah. So uh, another example of this is the late Gary Webb. This guy, you know, his writings brought the CIA's involvement in drug trafficking to a much larger audience. So there were people who broke that news previously. It's thanks to Gary Webb that it became known throughout, you know, the Western world. So his series, it was a series that, that was published in the San Jose Mercury News. The article is titled Dark Alliance. There's also a book by the same name. This book, the series of articles, would go on to enrage the black communities, prompt congressional hearings, and it became really the first major national security story in history to blow up on the internet. Wow. So, you know, web stories would reveal that in addition to waging a proxy war for the U.S. against Nicaragua's uh, revolutionary Sandinista government in the 1980s, elements of the CIA backed Contra rebels. Uh, they were also involved in trafficking cocaine to the U.S. in order to fund counter-revolutionary campaigns. Mm. This is, I mean, it, put simply, you always hear about the black ops projects being funded by the CIA drug trade. And that's mm. like when it really first came into the public consciousness. So Webb reported that the illicit circulation of funds and narcotics was directly related to the subsequent crack cocaine epidemic that ravaged the most impoverished African-American communities in the country. Uh, Webb is still celebrated by journalists today, despite a really aggressive, coordinated smear campaign that the mainstream media uh, and the intelligence agencies would wage against him. It cost him his career, 
and eventually it cost him his life. Uh, he is one of those members of the club of people who committed suicide by shooting themselves in the back of the head twice. Oh, wow. Um, you know, his death ruled a suicide. <laughs> Go figure. Today, they don't even try to hide their connections. There's, you know, Anderson Cooper, you know, people accosting him saying, oh, you're a CIA asset. You used to work for the CIA. You've got uh, a former CIA. They, they hire former spooks to come be commentators. You got John Brennan, one of the primary players in this multi-pronged campaign against Donald Trump, uh, gets a signs on with a contract at NBC News to be their senior national security and intelligence analyst. So uh, uh, senior national bullshit artist is probably a better uh, term. Uh, CNN would go on to employ James Clapper, who was the former director of national intelligence, Former FBI Deputy Director and Acting Director Andrew McCabe, we all know and love, and a former CIA Director Michael Hayden. So that's just a couple of the folks that they they get to come be analysts. And and it's like we don't even let's just remove the relationship between the CIA and a reporter and just put a CIA asset as the reporter. You know what I mean? Okay. So and, and people don't even question it anymore. So. So the lingering question is this, how can we have a free press when hidden powers are in control of what is and isn't covered? What's stopping them from acting in their own self-interest, which we all know they're doing today? Uh, we have uh, actually a clip that Justin wants to play, wants to get to, uh, what was the guy's name? Mike, uh, Mike Benz? Benz, yeah. Because it was interesting because I wrote this script and then this Tucker interview with Mike Benz comes out and he gets to literally everything that the script is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. So uh, you want to transition to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So before we get to that, we're going to go ahead and hear from one of our amazing sponsors. So let me go ahead and get that queued up, everybody. All right. Here we go. Wait one second. There we go. All right. So let me bada bing, bada bang. All right. Up until now, the digital dollar or CBDC has been nothing but a headline. But right now, things are developing at a rapid pace. It started with sweeping executive order from the Biden administration, and now central banks are even hiring for their development. Here's the thing. A digital dollar can be used to track your purchases, control what you buy, and even seize or freeze your assets. That's why it's critical you protect your money with precious metals like gold and silver. We've partnered with the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo, because they're a great company with an amazing uh, reputation. Right now, they're giving up to 10000 in free silver while supplies last. Plus, all qualified callers this week will receive a free Ronald Reagan silver coin. Don't wait until your money is under Biden's control. Go to badlands.gold.com. That's badlandsgold.com to learn how to get started today. That's badlandsgold.com. All right, everybody. So we're going to cover um, a little bit of the Mike Benz interview. I'm only going to play like, I don't know. I, I, there was so much good stuff that, in it, but I'm going to try to play just the first five minutes maybe to get really encapsulate the breadth 
of what he's talking about. I mean, as far as interviews are concerned, there's few interviews I'd say that are like required listening. This is one of them. I'll go ahead and pop the link into the chat. Um, where is it here? Yeah, here it is right here. Uh, I strongly suggest you watch this and watch it a couple times because it's so dense. You're probably not going to get exactly what he's saying right away. There's the Mike Benz interview. I popped it in the chat. If I get a second, I'll also put it in the comments. You can also go to the show notes. So if you're listening to the show after it's aired, just click on the show notes below. It's either in the comments or in the, the link in the description. And it'll take you to the vigilant.news website. And in there are all the links we talked about today. And one of them under my section is the Mike Benz interview. I strongly, strongly suggest you watch this interview. It is a, excuse me, tour de force of powerful information that every American needs to know about. Everybody in the world needs to know about. So I'm going to go ahead and add this to kind this. of censorship and that censorship that emanates from. And you. Oh yeah, and while you're waiting for that, if you guys could give us some thumbs up. Uh, yes. I've been withdrawing from my thumbs up lately. I've been breaking out in hives. Yeah. Cold sweats. I'm just thinking about thumbs all night and <laughs> how I haven't been receiving them. And yeah, you know, yeah. you know, T Thomas put us to shame for reporting. He gets he gets all the thumbs all day. He does. He does. He's really good. So don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Literally, it supports the show. The more thumbs up we get, the more money we get, the more show we can do. So I cannot stress enough how much uh, the thumbs up help us. So, oh yeah, and you guys, if you haven't, check out uh, Sammy's Substack on the Smith Month Act. Mm -hmm. All right, so here we go. I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of the interview right now. Take a listen. Defense-related, publicly funded institutions stripped from us our freedom of speech. Sure. You know, one of the easiest ways to actually start the story is really with the story of Internet freedom and its switch from Internet freedom to Internet censorship because free speech on the Internet was an instrument of statecraft almost from the outset of the privatization. of. All right. I, I have to pause it right away. So let me just say mention here. So he's talking about Internet freedom and he's going to tell like you got to think substantively here when he describes what Internet freedom is. I want you to think to yourself, is this really internet freedom? Or was the whole internet after 1991, when it was privatized, an instrument of the intelligence apparatus to use for their purposes? So just, just think about what he's about to say here. The internet in 1991, uh, we quickly discovered through the uh, efforts of the Defense Department, the State Department, and our intelligence services, that people were using the internet to congregate on blogs and forums. And free speech was championed more than anybody by the Pentagon, the State Department, and our sort of CIA cutout NGO blob architecture as a way to support dissident groups around the world in order to help them overthrow authoritarian governments as they were sort of billed. Essentially, the internet, internet free speech allowed kind of insta-regime change operations uh, to be able to facilitate the foreign policy establishment's State Department agenda. Google is a great example of this. Google began as a DARPA grant uh, by Larry Page and Sergey Brin when they were Stanford PhDs. And they, they got their funding as part of a joint CIA-NSA program to chart how, quote, birds of a feather flock together online through search engine aggregation. And then one year later, they launched Google and then became a military contractor quickly thereafter. They got Google Maps by purchasing a CIA satellite software, essentially. Uh, and 
the ability to track, to use free speech on the internet as a way to circumvent state control over media over in places like Central Asia or all around the world was seen as a way to be able to do what used to be done out of CIA station houses or out of embassies or consulates in a way that that was totally turbocharged. All right, so let me just pause it there and let me recap what he's saying because this is critical. So prior to the existence of the internet, if you wanted, you and a bunch of your friends wanted to talk about how much you didn't like the local government or whatnot, you had to physically get in your car or wherever, take the train somewhere, go to a place where you can actually sit down and talk and share your ideas. Or maybe if you're lucky, you had some kind of pen pal or a newsletter that you could circulate amongst your friends, but it was very difficult. It was not like today where you can just pop online, hop into a forum and you can talk for endless hours with thousands, if not millions of people about your ideas. What they did is the CIA and the intelligence apparatus learned a long time ago that they could, and this is before the internet, they could go into a country and they could begin to destabilize the governments and the, the power structures grip on the minds of the people by basically generating their own uh, organizations and front groups, many of which were the progressive and um, communistic organizations that emerged all, all the way way back in like the early two, uh, two, 1910s. You know, so one of the things that uh, Robert Ehrenman talks about in To Eliminate the Opiate is you have these groups, the Bund Society in the 1850s, that were going around and they were basically creating these front group organizations, drawing people into them, mainly Jews, and having them build up all this Zionist rhetoric so that they can take that once it had been planted over the course of 20, 30 years, and then use that to mobilize a political movement and force specifically for the benefit of the intelligence apparatus. And it all grew out of the Bavarian Illuminati. It also like it was the same kind of forces pushing on like uh, women's, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of a woman, I mean, getting the right to vote, women should have the right to vote. I think that's, okay. yeah, right. <laughs> but, but they also wanted the woman to not be in the household anymore. These ideas we talk about today are ideas that were invented in the seven, late 1700s. Mm-hmm. That's and right. It's just the next progression of that. So it's crazy that the guy's getting into all this. Yeah. So, so all of that is to say that the CIA and the intelligence apparatus used to have to spend massive amounts of money and and they did the job like they had regime change which he gets into later in the interview we're not going to be able to play that clip but what he talks about later in the interview is that in around 1947 these guys started manipulating elections one of which was in italy and they're like hey guys you know one of the cia um i forget his name but he mentions him in the interview mike benz the, this guy from the CIA who just manipulated the Italian election in 1947 to prevent communists from taking power said, hey, you know what? We've got a well-oiled machine that can manipulate and rig elections. OK, think about this. That can rig and manipulate elections, not necessarily by actually manipulating votes, although I'm sure that was part of it. It was by messing with people's minds and the political sentiments by creating these front group and organizations. You're going to your local chapter of you know, women's lib in, in your church in this tiny little town in like 1947, not realizing that that organization might have been literally developed by an intelligence agency specifically to talk about certain ideas that were going to destabilize 
your desire to participate in whatever the mainstream government was doing because a foreign intelligence apparatus wanted to worm its way into your country and your town and change your political views and your political sentiments. That's the way it worked. And they got already by 1947, they had a well-oiled machine that could do this with extreme effectiveness. So then what they did is they began to take the CIA and various other intelligence organizations, and they mobilized that from 1947 on all throughout the world. So most of the, the elections that were happening in the world, these switches to democracy, weren't actually switches to democracy at all. They were literally manipulating the minds and opinions of people in these countries. And then once they had built up enough mobilized power, they would go and hold these elections of topple leaders and install their own cabal-controlled governments in here. And if they couldn't get, get it by these subversive methods, they'd do it by other methods. Like they would go get people hooked on Western cash or they would send in the military or like with Saddam Hussein. Mm -hmm. All the stuff we learned about in Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Yeah. You know, if they couldn't just go in there and do a stage regime change by stealing the election, they would find other ways to get what they wanted. Right. And that's kind of like what, like, we don't think about like how much that affected the Middle East and, and Latin, Central and South America. Like those people know, they don't, they view us with the same kind of disdain that we view like, oh, those turban wearing uh, Mohammedites. You know, they're just savages. Well, that's how they feel about us. It's, you know what that's I mean? Right, yeah. There's a reason, like, all these groups are so radicalized. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that the cartel is so effed up and barbaric. There's a reason why Colombia has never been completely ruled by the left, too, because they have a government that would kill you rather than let you even run against, you know, right. a cartel-implanted mm -hmm. operation. Exactly. And we make them seem like the bad guys, but they're just defending themselves from us. So, I mean, j just to put that in context like this, just think about for a minute. We live in a world where the, the virtues of democracy are talked about all the time. Like, look at all the good we did post-World War II. We gave democracy to the world in all these different ways. What was actually happening is that the intelligence apparatuses in the United States, working with other big dogs across the world, like Mossad and, you know, I'm sure MI6 and MI5, we're going around and setting up bogus fake governments by manipulating the minds of the people and preventing these very people from having the free thought and the freedom of speech they needed to create their own free governments. So it's the polar opposite of what we've been taught in history. Instead of thinking like, oh, look at all this amazing stuff we brought to the world. We brought we brought freedom and democracy to the world. It was the total opposite. We were we were manipulating elections. We were manipulating people's minds. We were preventing the free and natural growth, outgrowth of people's desire to have true freedom and prosperity in their own communities. for And it's been going on for 80 years, okay? So now this is gonna flash up to the modern era where all of this becomes now an outgrowth of the internet. Because in 1991, they realized, hey, you know what? We can, our ability to track this stuff is goes way bigger than just doing what we did before. Now, because of Google search engine results and because of chat rooms and because of everything that the internet brought along, we can way better and with greater efficiency and precision manip have this manip mind manipulation machine and election manipulation machine be much more effective. And I'm just going to recap some of the things because, like I said, a lot of this is in the interview, but I'm just going to lay it out there a little bit for you. So basically what he describes is that from 1991 all the way up to 2016, this machine kept rolling and it peaked with something called the Arab Spring. Now there's a documentary called Shadowgate 
by Millie Weaver that we've mentioned many times on the show. It, it's a little hokey, but the, 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 there is a lot of incredible information in that interview. And there's one man in particular interview, I can't remember his name, but he talks about these things called IIAs or Interactive Internet Activities. What they're designed to do is through a coordination through the media, so news and print media, as well as online media, um, search engine results, so what you search for in your search engines, and then social media, you've got a trifecta of mind manipulation where people who are trying to figure out, you know, you're a young 18-year-old guy, you're 20, you're 30, you're 40, you know, what do you know about any of these things? Well, what do you do? You turn on the internet, you try to read about some of these things. And so your engagement with the internet itself is going to manipulate your opinions in a way that is far more sophisticated than anything that has happened before. And so all leading all the way up to 2016, 2015 and 16, this was a well-oiled, incredible machine. And that all these pioneers of internet freedom that we hear about, like, oh, the internet was created for freedom and look how much freedom of speech it gave. And it did to a certain extent, don't get me wrong. But all of that was a smokescreen because underneath that top level surface, was this massive, coordinated, sophisticated intelligence apparatus, mind manipulation machine that had been going on for a very long time. All right, well, something incredible happened in 2015 that we all are very aware of. And that thing that incredible happened is Donald Trump came down the escalator, escalator and Brexit happened in a couple other seminal events. Again, Mike covers this in great detail in this interview. I strongly suggest you watch it. And what he says is that basically, the internet got away from them. And prior to 2015, there was no massive censorship uh, regime, not a public one anyway. There was there was certainly a lot of manipulation happening, but it wasn't a public censorship regime. It was kind of like the Wild West days. I mean, you could find all sorts of crazy good stuff on the internet. But after Trump, uh, um, after Trump took the, the, the White House in 2016 and Hillary lost, they're like, all right, we got to we got to have a new system in town. We're going to use the censorship apparatus. We're going to take the CIA, the NSA, all these manipulation forces. And we're going to through the DHS, Department of Homeland Security. We're going to focus that power to manipulate and censor, which we have already been using out in the world for like 30 years now. And we're going to direct that inward to us and inward to the United States and other Western powers. And so that's something he gets into, too. So the, the point is, the one last a couple points I'll make towards the end here is that the Internet had, was always about manipulating people. It was never about this like bastion of freedom to give people all these access to free and information, although certainly we still used it to that great effect, because look what we were able to do in 2016 by getting Donald Trump elected. And once that happened, they had to change the game and they had to start cheating at a way bigger level. But, you know, the, the main points I want to get at here is that in order for an election system to really happen properly, you need freedom of speech. You need people's be ability to think properly outside of my manipulation through the media, through the Internet, through movies, through propaganda systems, all these kind of things. And you need the ability to talk to your friends and family in a way that is free and open so you can actually draw effective and valid conclusions. That's what our founding fathers developed our election system to do. We need to actually be able to speak freely, think properly, and congregate and form consensus properly. And all of these systems are designed to subvert that. So when they say our democracy, what they're saying is that the democracy that they carefully curate and use and manipulate our minds with through the media apparatus 
So effectively, it's like a giant, massive zombie apocalypse of like people who never really learn how to think properly because of the manipulation they've been under. And it's that's is their democracy. But now through the, our ability to have the free, you know, you know, free access to the Internet for all these new systems we have now, like true social and all these different things and our, our awareness of the fact that this manipulation machine is happening, we can still continue to use this Internet to great effect. And that's something we're going to be doing and have been doing for the past eight years or so. So one way you can help fight back against all of that is by giving us a thumbs up right now, if you would be so kind. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. So with that, I'll go ahead and end that segment. Um, again, I strongly suggest you watch an interview. Check the show notes. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm, I think John covered or is going to cover it. He was raving about this interview, mm -hmm. and I understand why after watching. And it's amazing that so much of what he says is gonna is gonna be in this documentary we made. Yeah, it's just so synchronistic that it played out like this. It's perfect. It's perfect. Really good timing for this uh, this point of the year here. So let me go ahead and move over. So I'm going to just cover some breaking stories and some uh, some other news that I had here. So here we go. We got breaking report that's coming from Gateway Pundit. Truckers plan to stop shipments to New York City in response to political hack. Judge Arogans or Aragor and Gorgon, sorry, $350 million ruling against Trump and his sons. What a villainous like Angoron. It just sounds Angeron. like a, a fantasy villain. <laughs> Judge Angoron. Exactly. Like one of the dark wizards <laughs> from Harry Potter or something like that. Uh, there's supposedly a video in here. Let me see. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna just play the video, I'll let you guys take a listen. Hi everyone. My name is Jack Lombardi. Minutes, okay. I ran for Congress against Adam Kinzinger originally. Bit. That's how I got involved. Because the writing was on the wall. There was an element within our government. All right, well, I won't even bother because he's going to take a minute to get into this. But basically, that's happening. So that's pretty good news, I'd say. We've got, again, the truckers are holding it down. They're going to they're gonna try to starve out New York City. They, they, there's truckers doing something similar at the border of Poland and Ukraine. They mm -hmm. found, like some absurd amount of rapeseed that uh, was coming in from Ukraine okay. instead of being, you know, so the far. So I don't know all the details about that story for sure, but I, I know that it has to do with them trying to force Ukrainian imports out to other countries and the farmers of those countries being like, what the hell? Like, why yeah. are you doing this? So mm -hmm. they created a blockade in the border between Poland and ukraine but all of that is to say that it's super interesting that all of these truckers like with the freedom convoy and all of these farmers with the uh the italian the french the german and the dutch farmers you know all of these people who are literally what makes society work are are exercising their power and not you know what i mean by like like screwing up the whole system and, and making things kind of slow down because they have that power Yep. It's awesome. You like to see it, and hopefully we see more of it. 100%, yeah. This is, I'm really inspired to see this. And those farmers are kicking butt, man. I've never seen so much manure fly at government buildings before. <laughs> yeah. So um, so here's a fun one. President Trump launches official new line of sneakers during sneaker con in Philadelphia. So what, what do the sneakers look like? Well, they, they actually kind of look pretty cool. They're definitely Trump inspired because look how gaudy those things are, like covered in gold. Um, 
even gold laces. And then you got the American flag, which I just love. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know if I'll have the gall to pick up a pair and, wa and uh, wear them. Maybe I will. I don't know. But, you know, there you go. So there's some Trump sneakers for you. Uh, let's see. Here we've got four out of five Americans test positive for emerging contaminants found in popular cereal brands, says study. Um, I was trying to find what the name. The chemical is chlamoroquat which is an uh, emerging contaminant within the document evidence, a low dose adverse health effects in animal studies. So, you know, but let me just say that like, our food system is so horribly poisoned. Like we have weaponized food, we don't have real food and we haven't had real food for like, I've got to even know. It's, it, I think it might go back as far as the DuPont, like the emergence of DuPont. So way back in like the late 1800s is when this started. But, um, most of our food colorings, you know, what's the, the, the primary chemical in the food color, coloring? Heavy metals. You know what heavy metals do your body? They create all sorts of issues like Alzheimer's, like dementia. Um, tattoos, same thing. You know what most tattoos are made out of? Heavy metals. And you do inject them in your body and you put them in, in your body. So, I mean, we've got, there are so many different vectors for destroying your health from food. You got to be so careful out there. The good news is, is that despite all that, you can eat things like um, raw uh, cheddar cheese, and that can help suck the, some of the toxins out of your body through your gut. Because apparently what happens is your, your body naturally deposits a lot of toxins inside your stomach. And so when you go to eat your food, if you have a certain amount of uh, healthy fat there, that fat will literally act as a magnet to suck that up. And then when you eat, you can just pass the fat afterwards. And uh, there's a, a few people I've heard recently um, through a guy named uh, Arjunus Vanderplanets who've done some incredible health healing from that. So just want to throw that out there for people. All right. So then our last one here is the feds. <laughs> Neo-Nazi wannabes march through national streets waving swastika flags. Look at this. It's like, uh, what? what is that one group we found? Uh, uh, Patriot Front. Patriot is this Front. the Blood Tribe? I think it's the blood tribe. They're, they're yeah. so obvious. Feds. Yeah, blood tribe. Yeah, obvious feds. Like it's it, it, if people can't see it, this is like the modern iteration of CoinTelPro. CoinTelPro mm -hmm. used to infiltrate groups like the Black Panthers and the KKK and try to get them to do whatever the federals, the feds wanted them to do. Right now, they just create groups out of whole cloth. And this is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. There might be a couple of useful idiots in the group here who are like real, like Nazi loving white nationalists. But by and large, the reason they're all wearing masks because they're all federal agents. Exactly. And they don't want to get captured with uh, facial recognition technology. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Real neo-Nazis. I mean, I, I, I'm, maybe I don't even know if I can call them real, but I remember hearing about neo-Nazis back when I was a kid. And these guys would tat up their face. They'd be walking around with no masks or anything like that, talking about the virtues of the white race and all oh, that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, but these guys, supposedly they're, yeah, wearing masks. It's just it's so laughable. So here's a, a video clip. We'll take a look real quick. What are you ashamed of? <laughs> Is that the best you got? Best you got? Best you got? Show me your fucking face then! Where's your face? Where's your face? 
Show me your face. I don't even know who you are. This is my face. Let's fucking go. You don't know my people. You don't know my people. You don't know my people. Oh, you don't know that? <laughs> where the fuck am I from? You guys, where's your faces? Where's your stereo faces? Cowards! Cowards! All of you! Fucking cowards! Show me your fucking faces! Where's your face, you fucking cowards? Show me your face! Show me your faces, you fucking cowards! All of you! Fucking cowards! Fucking cowards! Fucking cowards! Fucking cowards! Fucking cowards! Fucking cowards! You know, you can tell that they're not really invested in this whole white nationalism thing because this guy is just hurling obscenities at him and they just just rolls right off them. Like they're not even triggered by it or not upset by it because in their minds they're like, well, I'm really just like sent over from Quantico. I got to wear my outfit and walk around, Mm -hmm. you know. Just another day in the life of a FBI informant or a straight up agent in some cases. Literally, I mean, yeah, the talk about feds, man. I could not find a better example of a fed COINTELPRO operation, like you were saying, if I tried. So, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is what we have for today. Do you have anything else? Uh, n- not much. Just look forward to that that documentary. Uh, it's being made right now. I turned in the final draft of the script. I think John wants to debut it at a GART or or maybe we'll do a watch party on Rumble, but keep an eye out for that. It's going to be awesome. And uh, other than that, it's just good to be back and it's good to be with all you fine folks. I love you. I'm, I'm bummed that none of us got any of the Trump sneakers. Hopefully somebody out there did. I know my mom right. really wanted a pair, but it's just just wasn't in the cards, unfortunately. But you can still go buy them for $10,000 on eBay. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, before we uh, – we got a few, little more commentary I'll do before the end of the show. So let's go ahead and take a look at the next couple sponsors here. We got the Wellness Company. Uh, there we go. Life is unpredictable. We've learned anything in the last four years. It's that. And while – we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us. We can prepare for it. Introducing two emergency kits from the wellness company. The first aid emergency kit is a next level readiness for everything from sports uh, activities to campaign, camping trips. Compact and convenient, the kit contains critical prescription medications and supplies for every American that they should have on hand as you go as your go-to solution for any situation. The travel emergency kit is specially designed for life on the go. Compact, lightweight, and loaded with essentials for any adventure. Whether it's the road trip, a hike, or just unpredictability unpredictability of everyday life, be ready. Response time matters. Next level readiness is at your fingertips with emergency kits from the wellness company. Stay one step ahead. Visit badlandsmedia.tv forward slash TWC and use promo code BADLANDS for an exclusive 10% discount. That's badlandsmedia.tv forward slash TWC promo code BADLANDS. 
All right. And then we also got this one last one here. Oh, we never did the. Yeah. So. Uh, we never did the book of the month. Well, I'll do it next week. Yeah, we can do it when we come back. So give me one second. We want to hear from this another amazing sponsor here. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from my pillow towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know you can get our six-piece My Towels, regular $69.98, now only $29.98. Or you can save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Also, we have bath sheets, bath towels, washcloths, hand towels, and so much more. And the best part, with your promo code, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. All right. So let's do the book of the month, everybody. So the book of the month, you, this is a new one, huh? You've been t- talking about it for a while. Yeah, I think. picked it up over the holidays. It's called The Israel Lobby. And it was written by, I know it's Professor John Mearsheimer, who is a regular guest on Glenn Greenwald's System Update, which is one of my, I think, one of the most informative shows on Rumble. Uh, and it was also written by a guy, Stephen M. Walt, who I'm not too familiar with, but this came out, they were asked to write a series of articles, I want to say for the Atlantic, um, about Israel, APAC, the Israel lobby. This entire book is what came out of those series of articles, but once uh, the people at the Atlantic read the article, uh, not only did they not publish it, they said, we don't even want you to revise it, We're just, we just don't want anything to do with it. Because the Israel lobby, you know, you always hear about these special interest groups like, you know, the tobacco lobby, the gay rights lobby, all these other different lobbies. But none is as powerful as the Israel lobby. Like it is the special interest group of all special interest groups. That's why you won't see anybody mention anything about Israel in their elections, in their campaigns, because they will just not win. So this book, I'm only maybe 20 pages into it. So I don't know all of the details yet, but it's one of the most well-sourced, well-documented books on the subject. It's highly controversial. Obviously you can't criticize Israel without being branded an anti-Semite or if you are a Jew yourself, a self-hating Jew, if you have anything bad to say about Zionism or Israel. But uh, this book is is incredible so far. And uh, from the interviews I've seen with John Mearsheimer, He's a very well-researched professor and uh, has a pretty solid take while not actually being genuinely anti-Semitic. He's far from that. So, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, check it out. <laughs> awesome, everybody. Well, I also wanted to remind you, if you would be so kind, as to take a look at the campaign that my lovely wife put together, my Give, Send, Go. I'm going to pop it into the chat right now. It's also in the comments section if you're hearing post-show. 
Uh, prayers are graciously accepted. Um, if you have a little bit you'd like to help us out with, that'd be great. We're facing like up to $40,000 in medical bills. I can't believe And that. at least a couple grand left so just so I can get this damn thing out of me. So um, You better get back to work. I know. <laughs> better get back to working. So uh, I really appreciate any support you can provide. Again, if all you can do is share it, I really, really appreciate it. All you can do is put a prayer in. I'd really appreciate it. No pressure. I know it's hard. We're all uh, struggling out there, but I just wanted to um, give a shout out for that. So really appreciate that. And lastly, listen, guys, you know, we're we're in the last of what might be the most epic year of information we're battling in history. And this is something I said towards the end of the last show. I, don't, I think you already left at that point, Ryan. But, you know, we are in this together. We are all on the battlefield together. Each and every one of us are. And if it wasn't for our commitment to use our freedom of speech, to love each other, to be forgiving to each other so that we could work together and actually set aside our differences to fight the real enemy here, which is far bigger than just any type of pro this, anti that nonsense that they want to cram down our throat through the mainstream media, we wouldn't have any freedom at all. So this is what the founding fathers did. I think this is what we need to do is we need to set each other, set our differences aside, love each other, work together and really do what it takes to form solid, amazing communities that we can use to propel freedom into the future. So my kids can inherit freedom, just like uh, the founding fathers tried to give to us. So, all right. Well, with that, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time on Vigilant News. Much love and take care. Looking for more ways to support Badlands Media? Head over to BadlandsMedia.tv and click on the Support Badlands button or go straight to BadlandsMedia.tv forward slash boost. You can now give a Badlands boost, just like a Rumble Rant, only better. Support your favorite shows with a boost anytime, even if you're not watching live. Your donation will go directly to Badlands with no middleman. Stop America First companies at the Badlands shop with every purchase you'll be supporting Badlands Media and an America First business. Don't forget to become a Badlander. Opt in to be alerted to new shareable content and our street team. And by all means, click on that thumb. Help your favorite Badlands shows reach the top of the Rumble leaderboard. Thank you all for helping us grow Badlands Media. We are the news now. Thank you so much for joining us and don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video. And a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media.